get stuffed. Hello and welcome back to Double Stuff Cinema. This is episode number 45. I'm Tyler. I'm Neil. I'm Shrey. And I'm Andrew. And we're joined by a very special guest here today. Uh, he's listened to many of the episodes and given us his own thoughts on them in emails before, but uh, never has he been able to come on the podcast and share his thoughts with you directly. So today's his chance to do that. Why don't you introduce yourself? So hello out there, my name is Mr. Hall, and uh, I know these guys from uh, high school um, and where I had the privilege of teaching um, both Shrey and Neil some physics and then uh, had them as student interns as well their senior year and then um, Shrey and Tyler were both on the Scholastic Bowl team that I coached and Andrew and I were probably in the same room a few times. So Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, you helped us found Cinema Club, Neil, Andrew, and I back. Of course, senior, yeah, so. yeah. I was too. in the room. Yeah, Andrew was <laughs> Andrew was there. Where it happens. Didn't say that much. <laughs> uh, well, Mr. Hall is here with us today to talk about uh, the next movie in our Christopher Nolan series, The Prestige. Uh, and he's actually here today because The Prestige is the movie that he shows at the end of the year, every year in his physics class. So I think he's seen it like 20 times or something, and he's definitely well-equipped to talk about it. Um. Well, I think first first things first, Mr. Hall, why uh I guess we want to ask you why do you choose The Prestige as the movie that you show every year? Sure. Um specifically, I show that movie at the end of the year in my AP physics classes. Um so after the AP exams are over and there's not a whole lot of time left in the year to do, you know, any actual physics. Um and, you know, uh it's one of the hardest classes you guys ever take in high school. Mm -hmm. So I kind of look to give you guys a little bit of a reward. So being a movie guy, I like to try to share that with my students. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say the science in The Prestige is uh, exactly accurate, but if nothing else, um, Nikola Tesla is a character in film, so, um, and darn it, it's just really good. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I've thought about other choices too, but I like to mm -hmm. stick with that one. Now, uh, Seeing as you've probably seen it like hundreds of times, did you end up rewatching it for the podcast to get a refresher, or is it deep enough in your brain? You know, we uh, we didn't quite get a chance to rewatch it, unfortunately, but it's uh -huh. it's pretty ingrained in there. I've easily seen that more than any other of the Nolan yeah. films. So, for sure, um, I wish I could take some of those away and see Interstellar a few more times. I've only seen that once, so. Hmm. Well, I think. I think Tyler was the one who watched it like the longest time ago, uh, which would have been way back uh, at the end of his senior year or junior year. So back in 2018. So uh, we're going to let Tyler take a shot at explaining the plot to everyone before we move on. Here. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> you really put me on the spot here. Okay. Yeah. I'll try my best. Um, so from my understanding, it's like somewhere in the, like the late 1800s, uh, in London, I believe it takes place, right? Um, yeah. And uh, it's essentially the story of these these two magicians played by um, who are they played by? Hugh. It's Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Um, and they're these two magicians who kind of start out their careers as like kind of low level magicians, just performing for like smaller crowds. And eventually, as the as the film goes on, they become more and more obsessed with trying to like out-engineer and out-magic the other person to the point where they're, like, sabot sabotaging each other. Um, and it just gets more and more wild. There's, like, aspects of, like, you know, uh, magic, and then there's, like, illusion. And I think at one point they start to even do, like, stuff that's, you know, not even technically possible towards the end. Um, but you never really know. That's what I love about this movie is that you never really know, like, where exactly uh, the line between the magic and the reality of it is drawn because it's always kind of blurred and so that's my you know very crude outline of what i think the movie was uh but it's really enjoyable it's re i remember it being great yeah Tyler, i'd say that's pretty impressive for having not seen it in like two years or something i mean i, I loved it I, I i do remember some bits of it yeah 
I, I do think the last time I'd seen it before I like rewatched it yesterday for this was also way back in junior year. So uh, it I definitely enjoyed it a lot. I think like uh, even after having seen it multiple times before, it I think it still holds up because there's all these little things you notice about it. Um, like we'll get into spoilers later, so I'm not going to spoil any stuff. But, like you can see little hints at um, what Nolan's like hinting at for the end of the movie because obviously there's going to be a big Nolan surprise and twist at the end that you didn't see coming and it's very cool to like notice a little bit of that every time you rewatch it uh Andrew so you you'd seen it before as well right uh yeah so I wasn't in Mr. Hall's class but we still watched it at the end of the year in my physics class and I'm pretty sure that was the first time I watched mm -hmm. a Nolan film and I was like able to focus on it i guess because i'd seen inception but it was in french so <laughs> you, you know i was very confused obviously and i think i saw interstellar also but i had like a 104 degree fever so <laughs> that was also a little a little wild but i definitely remember like watching it in physics class and uh, um my mind was blown it was, it's such a great movie i like it too yeah yeah uh, Neil, what about you? When was the last time you saw it? Yeah, so the last time I saw it was also uh, Mr. Hall's physics class end of the year. Yeah. Year, so I'm up there with Tyler. But I, I definitely remember that the movie, the ending of the movie adds up and it's very um, fulfilling, I think. And super, super cool because Christopher Nolan does an awesome job kind of putting this twist on something that again like you didn't see coming and obviously we don't have to talk about how amazing the cast is because the cast of this movie is yeah. really stacked so yeah, well i mean Neil, yeah, let's, let's talk about the cast because uh, it is a pretty stacked cast so uh what are what were some of your guys's favorite performances in, in the entire cast because we've got hugh jackman and christian bale as you said but then you've also got michael kane uh, you've got andy circus uh who else is there? David Bowie plays Nikola Tesla, which is just genius casting. Uh, it's amazing. Why don't we start there, actually, Mr. Hall, uh, since you brought up Tesla. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, Tesla was um, a guy who was not very understood at all in his time. Um, in mm -hmm. fact, despite all the amazing contributions to science, um, he died alone in a hotel room with, like, no money in his pockets, basically. Just a really sad story. So, um I'm not saying that David Bowie had that exact same kind of life either, but he's um, he's not your average music artist at the same time. So um, I would say he was not understood in a lot of ways as well. Um, so he kind of fits in some ways. Um, and then being a child of the 80s, um, one of my first exposures to David Bowie was the movie Labyrinth. I don't know if any of you have seen that or not, yeah. but he plays the Goblin King in Labyrinth, and it's just also <laughs> a fantastic character. And I just love his music, too, so as I've grown to know him more as I've gotten older over the years. So, um, you know, I think he's a, he's a perfect fit for the role. Yeah, I definitely think, like, the first moment that Tesla's character appears on screen, uh, you kind of just think it's Tesla. Like, you don't even realize it's David Bowie. You just looks so perfect for the role um it's like we said it's genius casting because um, they're they both have that kind of eccentricity about them that like uh really adds to the portrayal of him uh mr Hall, i was wondering if you'd heard of the movie tesla that came out earlier this year uh it stars ethan hawk as tesla and i've heard it's kind of like a musical like there's various moments where tesla is singing karaoke uh so I guess that's part of the David Bowie influence on the role, the lasting impact he left on it. I was curious if you'd heard about that or were interested in checking that out. I have not, actually, but of course I'm interested in checking that out, and yeah. I am pulling it up as a reminder for later. Nice. So thanks. Yeah. Uh, Neil, Tyler, Andrew, what did you guys think of David Bowie as Tesla? Did you realize it was him when you watched it? I did not realize it was him. But he definitely seemed like a Tesla, because I mean, like when he appears on the scene, he kind of just like takes command of the room. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, like like in his lab when he shows up, you can tell yeah. he's in charge. 
there there's definitely also like that air of mystery around him because you yeah. see um andy circus like his character shows up at multiple times like as tesla's assistant but like you don't see tesla even though he's referred to multiple times and then when you finally when he finally does show up like andrew said he has like that immediate like momentum where like he's got all the eyes on him in the room yeah he does have a fitting build up yeah uh tyler neal what about you guys um yeah. i did not know that it was david bowie until you just not mentioned it and i'm looking at the wikipedia page and that is uh-huh. correct so yeah <laughs> you, you just yeah, have I was to confirm say, uh, that um I remember, I can't remember if the first time I watched it, I, I knew that that was David Bowie. I, I doubt I made that connection, though, because like you guys have said, he really uh, disappears into the role pretty well. And I think he is the perfect fit just with his kind of like otherworldliness, you know, mm-hmm. he's able to portray kind of like a really mysterious character. You know? For sure. Um, well, I think since we've mentioned like the existence of David Bowie within the movie, we're kind of or Tesla in the movie, I think we were kind of already into spoilers territory. So we can kind of, I think we can kind of just like mark off the rest of the episode as spoilers heavy. Cause I think it's kind of tough to talk about it without going into spoilers just because of the nature of the plot, which um, I think is like the first real example of, or I would say, never mind. Memento is definitely the first real example of Nolan messing with time, but the prestige definitely also jumps around a lot. Like, uh, when I was refer- researching for the trivia later on, um, I saw that there's 146 different cuts that, like, change the time of the movie, like, when it's taking place. And that's about, like, one cut per minute of the movie, which is crazy. Hmm. So, like, it just jumps around so much. It's kind of hard to tell what the timeline is if you're not paying attention long enough, which, I don't know, do you guys find that as kind of difficult for you to get hooked into the movie or, like, to follow? Do you remember? I know when uh, when I first saw it, you know, I, I had seen Memento, um, mm-hmm. and so, but I, I feel like I wasn't really aware of Christopher Nolan as a name yet. You know, when Memento came out, uh, I, you know, I saw the movie and was blown away by it, but I, yeah. I never heard his name. I wasn't paying attention to directors per se. That was when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I wasn't necessarily expecting anything, and I hadn't heard much about The Prestige when I first saw it. So, but um, you know, I know you guys are. Tarantino fans and I, I am as well so I, the first time I saw Pulp Fiction was probably the first time I was exposed to a movie that was all chopped up time-wise like that and mm-hmm. um, it definitely takes a little getting used to but um, I'm at this point I'm pretty comfortable with a movie that does that to me because uh, it's happened before I guess mm-hmm. and so it didn't bother me um, I, I was okay with being in the dark for a little while yeah I mean, you you brought this up, but you you were actually able to like see Memento and like the prestige in theaters. Uh, do you remember what that experience was like? You know, seeing like um, something crazy know, like this. You know, off the top of my head, I don't know if I saw either of those in theaters. Okay. So if I did, I don't have specific memories of them. I could find okay. out, but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Because I don't think, I don't think many of us have seen like many Nolan movies in theaters, other than like maybe the last few Dark Knight movies, Interstellar, and, like, Dunkirk. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see any in theaters. Yeah. I I think I've <laughs> only seen Dunkirk in theaters, and that came out, like, what, three years ago now? What? That's... Yeah. I mean, I could definitely recent. see the immersion of a movie theater making <laughs> these movies, like, so much bigger, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's some of the excitement for, like, Tenet now, too, you know? Like, being able to, like, kind of have your mind blown on the big screen when you have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's definitely part of the appeal of like a Nolan movie. I think it's exciting to have like yourself be challenged as a audience member, which is what Nolan does constantly. Like he challenges how you think about time and how movies should be made. So that's always what's very exciting when watching a movie like the prestige. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Neal, do you guys remember being confused by the timeline of the movie at all definitely i i think that um it's one of these movies where like if you were to just start watching the movie from Mm -hmm. somewhere that was not the beginning you'd be completely lost like you really wouldn't be able to pick up on much of the story because i think that so much of the story um Mm -hmm. is is 
is given all the time. You know, there's so many yeah. crucial moments. Uh, and the escalation of the plot is crazy, too, because I think at the beginning, it's intense. Like, there's, there, it starts out with, like, a pretty big tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the end of the movie, it's just um, twists and turns. Like, every, t- every single scene has, like, a new, uh, you know, a new... Uh, it's like a spoiler basically being revealed, yeah. you know. Um, I I think it's safe to like describe the rest of the spoilers and the, like the plot now. Uh, so the movie starts off with Hugh Jackman's character's wife being killed in like a magic trick. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale's characters are like assistants to another magician, and their uh, Hugh Jackman's wife is also another assistant. And she's doing like a water tank trick. And Christian Bale's character ties the knots that she's supposed to slip out of. But she's not able to slip out of them and she drowns in the tank. And that's basically what sparks this rivalry between the two men. So the two constantly keep like uh, doing more dangerous tricks. But also like sabotaging each other. And like uh, harming other people. Harming each other. Like uh, Christian Bale's character gets his fingers shot off. Uh, Christian uh, Hugh Jackman like loses he breaks a leg or something so there's a constant like idea of escalation where they're trying to trick each other and the story is told like from like a few years down the road I think uh, when uh, the whole plot has played out uh, it's told a bit in the past it's told a bit in the middle so it kind of like memento where it's cutting between those three timelines to tell you one complete story so like Tyler said definitely confusing if you just approach it from anywhere but the beginning yeah and i will say i had a much easier time i think putting the plot together watching this movie than watching memento Mm -hmm. um i don't know i i really like this movie because like usually when i watch movies i'm always you know trying to guess what's gonna happen next Mm -hmm. i don't know that's just what i like to do when i'm watching and this movie had me guessing the whole time you know like yeah there is no way i'm ever gonna predict like any of the twists really that you see like it's just so out there mm-hmm. right and then comparing this to memento it's memento was more like how what what happened to lead us to this point and this movie was and it memento had two kind of linear stories i guess or times that converge toward that one point mm-hmm. but this movie just kind of jumps around like just like Shrey said between beginning middle and end in a totally kind of random order so it's yeah. a little bit harder to put together it's not so much like how we got here i feel like it's more like Where you're kind going? of you're kind of experiencing their uh you know how they're one-upping each other and tricking each other if that makes sense you know like you're trying to figure out their tricks along the way as well. I think one thing that Memento differs from The Prestige is that in Memento, one of the timelines anyway is in reverse, right? So that, mm-hmm. even though there are two linear stories, like you said, Neil, um, the reverse nature of it, you don't even realize it's a, it's in reverse at first. So you kind of have to right. work your brain around that. Uh, whereas even though The Prestige is three different choppy timelines, they are individually in chronological order at least so they each have their own challenges i would say oh and for the record i looked it up i did see memento in the theater in 2001 so um i know that it was at my favorite theater back Uh in richmond virginia which i used to live about a block and a half from and so i went to that theater at least weekly probably and so maybe that's why i don't remember that specific incident that's probably Uh the time in my life when i went to movies in the theater more than ever and it was like a dollar it was great yeah I'm that old. Yeah, I bet, like, uh, it was also, like, his second movie also, so it's not something that you would, like, remember being excited for either, you know? Like, it's not, like, an an event at that point. I mean, I I lived so close, and it was so cheap. Sometimes we just went, and Mm it didn't matter what it was. We were just going to go to the movies, so. Yeah. Uh, I am curious what your guys' thoughts are on both of... uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale's performances because they are like the central roles. Mm. They're like the very key to the movie. Uh, what did you guys think of both of them? Who wants to start? <laughs> Neil, why don't you start us off here? Okay, I was gonna say when you were when we were talking about the cast earlier, uh-huh. um, after we finished talking about David Bowie, that I loved Christian Bale's performance because 
I feel like Christian Bale has an awesome knack to play kind of psychologically disturbed characters. And I think he kind of just put, he kind of brought more of a ur- sense of urgency to the movie. And as like an audience member, you can understand like why he hates, um, how do you pronounce his last name? Anger? Angier? Angier. 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 Yeah, so you can like kind of understand like why he hates them and everything and why their rivalries kind of fueled kind of mm-hmm. off of each other. And the Hugh Jackman, of course, obviously is the combating character there was also another great performance. Yeah. It, it's interesting to think of this because this is like a year after uh, Christian Bale played Batman for the first time. I think it's 2006 and he played him in 2005's Batman Begins. So it's very interesting to see him like play a role that like I think now we all instantly identify with him. Like uh, we all recognize him as Batman, but like trying to picture how he appeared to like other audiences back in 2006. Like this is definitely a very different role. I feel like even though there are some of the elements of like the very obsessive, like uh, personality, like he's fixated on this one thing, which is interesting to see the overlap in. Yeah, Shrey, I definitely think that uh, Christian Bale at the time would have like been more um, identifiable with uh, his character in American Psycho. Yeah. Because I, I believe that came out before, and I think that that was... That's like um, 2001 or something, right? Yeah, It's difficult to forget that character. Oh. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's 99 or like late 90s. Um, but he, uh, I mean, he owns that role. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, regardless of how you feel about the movie, I think he kills it. But Yeah, um, he literally kills it. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... <laughs> um, we should have averaged it it was 2000 yeah um the i will say one thing that kind of bothers me and it's like it's not even this movie's fault um so hugh jackman's in this and he's in the greatest showman right yeah and both yeah. of them kind of play like a similar <laughs> not like a similar character but they take place in like a similar setting where they're both like mm-hmm. you know kind of like showmen and he yeah he it's the, I, I watched both movies within like the span of a couple months. I remember, and I kept getting the characters like a little mixed up in my head, even <laughs> though I really shouldn't. They're super different, um, but but for whatever reason, I just I can't get that. I had to mention that because it, yeah. it always comes yeah. up when I watch yeah. either of the movies now, and they're so different. You know, the, the movies yeah. are, but the characters I mean, are so similar. I I was thinking that too because, you know, the movies are very different, but his mm. characters do feel pretty similar. Like yeah. you said, in both parts, he's playing like a showman, you know, and I think I mean, between like just in this movie between Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman, uh, Jackman's character is definitely the more like he's definitely the more showy actor and character in the movie. Yeah. Like he's definitely more of a showman, which obviously he is in <laughs> yeah, the greater yeah. show. And so. I think that's on purpose. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I also I think Hugh Jackman, I really like his performances usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I really liked Les Mis, which he was in. I know a lot of people, yeah, don't like that movie so much, but I was a fan. Um, and I don't. I think he does this one well. Also, I think he's very good at showing like emotion. Mm-hmm. I feel like in his roles, uh, it it feels more with, like, like a powerful voicing. It feels like a stage role. You know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. like he's playing something yeah. you'd play in like a. On a, in a play or a musical, which is something he's definitely trained to do. Like, that's what he's big and known for, like, big musicals and performing on the theater. Yeah, and I think it fits well with this role because he is a stage performer as a magician, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hall, what did you think of both of these two? Yeah, I mean, um, as soon as you said Christian Bale has a knack for playing disturbed characters, my mind immediately went to American Psycho. So anyway... Yeah. Um, I think one thing that Christian Bale's character is, is it's good at drawing your sympathy, too. He's, he's uh, if you go back to the original um, bone of contention between the two magicians, it's mm-hmm. the, the knot that ended up resulting in the wife drowning. Well, yeah. um, one of the issues there is that um, in conversations between Christian Bale's character and Hugh Jackman's wife, she wanted to tie this knot as well. So it wasn't just Christian Bale's character imposing mm-hmm. that. So. He was he was not alone in that decision, but he's yeah. the only one left to bear the brunt of that decision. So, um, and of course, he can say that to Hugh 
Hugh Jackman all he wants, and it's not going to matter. He's obviously irate about it. So yeah. Um, but I, th- I think they both do a great job. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Christian Bale fan. He's great in pretty much anything he's in. Um, yeah. I've seen some Hugh Jackman movies, but certainly not as many. And I have not seen a lot of the things he is super well known for. I have not seen him as Wolverine. I have not seen The Greatest yeah. Showman. I have seen Les Mis, but so I just don't know his body of work as well as I know Christian Bale's. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think he does a great job. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hall, you, you mentioned the drowning at the beginning of the movie. Uh, this is yet another example of Christian Nolan's obsession with uh, dead wives, because I think we have mm-hmm. two in this one, right? We got Both of them have dead wives. <laughs> At least, yeah. 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 A two for one deal. Yeah, just racking up bodies <laughs> again. Um, I was curious uh, what your thoughts were uh, by the end of the movie, you know, uh, where both mm-hmm. characters ended up... Uh, for all of you guys, because I had very strong feelings about uh, the ending, I feel like. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, um, I guess one thing I'll say, too, about their two characters um, is you mentioned earlier about their abilities as showmen. Well, Mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman was the better showman, but couldn't come up with his own tricks very well, whereas Christian Bale was excellent at the tricks, but he had no showmanship. Yeah. And that's for sort of where Michael Caine's character comes in, right, to help them mm-hmm. both out with the issues that they're lacking. But um, I think in the end, um, I think the audience, at least for me, ends up sympathizing much more with Christian Bale. And he yeah. ends up, um, and again, major spoiler here, um, the Christian Bale we are left with ends up in a pretty happy place considering, yeah. um, whereas, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman um, doesn't make it through to the end and is... Uh, in his final moments is realizing that he is not the better man and is um, sort of on the losing end of things. Yeah, I I definitely, like, every time I reach the end of the movie, I kind of, like, grow to hate Hugh Jackman's character, which I think you're definitely meant to do. Like, by the end, I feel, I think it's very obvious that, like, he no longer cares about even his wife. It's more just about, like, defeating the man who he has this rivalry (laughs) with. Um, he's like lost sight of what he set out to do in the first place. Whereas Christian Bale's thing has always been like very much kind of as a response to whatever Hugh Jackman's done to him. Uh, it's not like out of an outright, uh, like hatred for Hugh Jackman's character. I don't think like he ever has true hatred for Hugh Jackman, uh, throughout the movie. There's definitely like that sense of rivalry, but never like the hatred that Hugh Jackman does that, ends up consuming him and leaving him to die at the end. Uh, Tyler, Neil, Andrew, what did you guys think uh, by the end of the movie? Whose side were you more on? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I agree that you sympathize more with Christian Bale mm-hmm. just because, I mean, you definitely see Hugh Jackman's character uh, falling into an obsession with like, you know, I've got to find out how he does this trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got to beat this guy. And they bring that up uh, as part of the plot in the movie that his obsession is getting too big. Yeah. Uh, so that, I don't know, kind of makes you start to dislike his character at that point. Yeah. Uh, and when, you know, the whole thing with uh, Christian Bell's daughter being like mixed up in it too and how... Um, oh, yeah. Like she just becomes like another collateral object basically that Hugh Jackman will absorb in his quest it's like it definitely doesn't do well for his character I think uh Neil and Ty um yeah I think I really liked how they took Hugh Jackman's character and kind of like like we've been saying is just fed him fed off his anger uh by the death of his wife um the accidental death obviously and I did enjoy how, or not enjoy, but I was left satisfied at how the tw- uh, the twist at the end of how Angier ended up in the tank of water. So yeah. I think it was it was an ending that was kind of you weren't rooting for either character, but mm-hmm. it had to happen the way it did just to kind of show the the kind of irony of. Hugh Jackman's character falling into that obsession and then mm-hmm. ultimately leading him to his own downfall, basically. Um, Tyler, you were saying something? 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say, since we've pretty much, like, you know, hit all around the big spoilers at the end, I figured mm-hmm. I'd just go ahead and, and say um, yeah. what they yeah. are. It's essentially that <laughs> uh, uh, Borden, you know, who's played by, by Christian Bale, is, is, twin, is basically a set of twin brothers who switches off. Um, I believe that they switch off throughout most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're essentially uh, in and out of the... Uh, plot at various points and what happens is one of the brothers is sentenced to die for the murder of one of the Angiers and this is where it gets really confusing because Angier has been um, cloning himself essentially with a yeah. with a machine that Tesla built and this is this is kind of the point in the movie where you're like whoa this is way bigger than you know than conventional magic because yeah. Angier yeah. has been you know, making up for his lack of, uh, like Mr. Hall said, lack of kind of uh, ability to uh, create the tricks by literally just using a magic machine from from Tesla that teleports a copy of himself onto the stage, and then the other copy would um, get, like, teleported down into, like, a tank of water um, to die, basically, and he he uses that to uh, frame one of the Bordens, and then the other Borden, of course, uh, survives without his knowledge and then shoots the, I guess, the surviving Angier, um, thus kind of, like, ending the, the cycle of, like, murder and betrayal. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like a twist after a twist after a twist, and I just love that ending. I, I, I feel like whoever you're, you know, you feel sympathy for, um, I just really love it when the movie um, kind of keeps you guessing. And like Andrew mm-hmm. said at the beginning of this movie, constantly keeps you guessing um you never know when the twists are going to stop and when they finally do like when um when borden is finally revealed to be the twin and he shoots the the last engineer um i found that really fun i found that like really exciting in the movie because i had i just didn't see it coming I, I i would have never guessed that that was um how borden was pulling off his tricks um and i think it, it uh it's a fitting end to both of their characters, and I say that as like a, there's like so many of them at that point that you know, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's not really true, but um, I, I do think it's a fantastic way to end the movie. Uh, you mentioned how like uh, your sympathy is kind of like challenged throughout the movie, where you'll feel for one character more than the other at various points in the movie, and I feel like um, Michael Caine's character uh, is definitely like an audience surrogate, where like he starts out like kind of caring about both like feeling about them both as sons and then like obviously when Hugh Jackman's wife dies he like he kind of hates Christian Bale because he feels that he's guilty and that's sort of what you feel like as an audience and then throughout the movie he's like he advises Hugh Jackman's character but he also like reminds him that he's like falling into obsession and like uh, losing sight of his end goal which is sort of what you're thinking throughout the screen time as an audience member and then by the end, you know, you get all the twist stuff that Tyler mentioned before. And, uh, you know, he realizes that Angier is lost and that uh, he should basically help Borden achieve happiness, which I think is a very interesting thing. Because I think that's something Michael Caine does in most of the Nolan movies that he appears in, especially like in, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the Dark Knight trilogy. And Definitely. here. Yeah. I do also find it really funny that uh, Christian Bale's character is named Alfred here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but since I brought it up, uh, what did you guys think of the, some of the supporting performances? Because we got a great cast here. We got uh, Scarlett Johansson's in there, Rebecca Hall, Andy Serkis, Michael Caine. Uh, who were some standouts to you guys? I personally loved uh, Andy Serkis. I think he was like a great. We already kind of talked about this, but he's like a great assistant to Tesla. Um, like every scene he's in, he really kind of pipes up the mystery and the, you know, the enigma that is Tesla. So I think that he, like almost everything else he's in, he really had a great performance. It's definitely interesting to see him playing like an American character with like such a very American accent, especially after you see him as like Gollum and like all of his other characters who are very strange and mysterious. And I feel like you can see elements of those characters even in this one, like, even though he's just a normal human. He's definitely a bit weirder than normal. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about some of the other performances any of you guys liked? This, uh, this may sound like favoritism, but uh, I really enjoyed Rebecca Hall's performance. Um, I think 
she is a uh, very um, her character is just very easy to sympathize with because and especially once you know what she never knew um, so she never knew that they were brothers and so some days she felt loved by her husband and some days she felt like her husband didn't care about her at all and that's because they were two different people um, and so she does a great job of drawing the audience's sympathy um, especially once we know and finally understand what she had to go through um, there's I definitely agree there's that great moment with her where she um, I think like before she dies she tells Borden like I know what you are and so I read that she actually improvised that line on the day on set and she like started crying when she did because she thought she gave away the movie but Christopher Nolan thought that it was like such a good moment um, within the movie that he kept it in perfect foreshadow I yeah never yeah. really make that connection though I, I didn't make that connection until I like read that like a week ago or something so it's definitely very cool to see that uh, what did you guys think of Scarlett Johansson's character? I definitely was confused by her, I think, the first time I saw it, but I don't know about you guys. Neil? Um, if I'm being honest, I don't even remember. Who did Scarlett Johansson? Oh, he played Andrew's... Not, not wife. Yeah, assistant. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, she wasn't in the movie for a lot, was she? She, I think she, like, came in, like, halfway-ish yeah she came in halfway and then she like left before the last 30 to 40 minutes of the movie too so right no yeah, yeah. I, i'll be honest i don't remember her as much especially because i've seen this like two years ago yeah i think she did have a good performance but nothing was nothing really stood out to me yeah it, it was definitely like a just kind of filling in the role i don't think it was anything spectacular but I don't think it had to be, you know? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, but... Yeah. Uh, I I do think the moment where, like, um, when she leaves Borden near the end and she's like, uh, your wife was going to tell me uh, what she knew about you. I, I didn't realize that that was another piece of, like, foreshadowing until I watched it this time. So she does have mm -hmm. some cool moments like that. And her character obviously does play, like, a very big part in the whole twisty-turny, like, uh trickery of each other so it's interesting to see her being used like that correct me if i'm wrong sheree or, or mr hall or whoever but um rebecca hall's character and scarlett johansson's character they never know the truth about the two boards right it's implied that rebecca hall knows because she oh, says really? i know what you are so it implies that she like knows that there's two of them but it's never like directly confirmed oh I think. okay yeah, I yeah. guess that could be interpreted different ways. Yeah. And I, I really like that dynamic where it's like one Borden loves Sarah and one mm -hmm. of them loves Olivia. Yeah, because that's definitely something you realize as you rewatch it. That like, they're definitely more affectionate with one character or the other. Yeah. Like, even, even though you notice it kind of, you're just like, okay, that's just like him being confused. You yeah, realize it's, it seems it's like definitely it's some like, kind of affair, and then yeah, you realize what's happening. It's like oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's like mm -hmm. it's the it's a literal split personality. Where like the idea of like uh, they could both live half a life, and that's enough for them, but it wasn't enough for either woman. Right, which is why it doesn't um, Rebecca Hall's character eventually commit suicide over the yeah. fact that she thinks that you know. Borden is like splitting time or at least like has two personalities I guess if she didn't know you know she I think it's because she like can't handle the fact that like she could never know which one is with her like I think the idea is that like she knows there's two of them but she'll never know which one is with her and which one truly loves her I think it's right. part of her pain I've actually never thought about that uh, in some ways I always assumed that she hung herself and, and said I know who you are because she knows the one she fell in love with and doesn't understand why he isn't like that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe she doesn't know. That was my yeah. thought. Um, but you've got me thinking now, as a, yeah. as, <laughs> as a good Nolan film will do to you. It'll keep you thinking. Um, I guess we've talked about like most of the plot and uh, yeah. what we think of all the characters. I guess w where would you guys place this in like your ratings and your Nolan rankings, respectively? Nice. <laughs> uh, 
We'll let Tyler go first. I think Tyler has a pretty good idea of where he'd put this. Yeah, so um, I've thought about this because it, this one's really tough to rank. I think I, I enjoy this one mm-hmm. um, more than almost every other Nolan film. Uh, yeah, and it's definitely yeah. grown on me. Like I think that once you unpack this movie, there's so much to love after multiple viewings. Um, mm-hmm. And I do have to watch it, uh, rewatch it soon because I know it's been a long time. Um, but as of as of right now, without having rewatched, I think I have it at number three. I have uh-huh. The Dark Knight, no surprise there. Um, Inception at number two, and then Prestige at number three. Yeah, uh, Neil. Um. So I was. I'm just looking at Nolan's filmography, and I think I'd put Prestige in the top four at number four. And I okay. had Dark Knight and. Um, Inception, like Tyler did in that order, mm-hmm. and then third I had um, Memento. Then uh-huh. I think I'd put this on. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of hard. I'd say it. It might be my number one Nolan film. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably either The Prestige or Inception up there. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is I know last time we talked about how a lot of times. Uh, he can sacrifice emotion in his characters to, like, messing with the timelines. Yeah. I feel like he really didn't have to sacrifice a lot of the character development in this movie yeah. to, you know, show those three different parallel plots going on. Yeah. They're all the same plot, but parallel timelines. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with Andrew. I think, so, re- we talked about this recently, actually, when we were talking about uh, the tenant delay, but... I had recently moved the prestige up to my number one spot from the number two spot. I basically switched it and the dark Knight. uh, dark Knight is obviously like, you know, it's, it's the masterpiece that everyone knows it is, but I think the prestige is like, it's Nolan at his like peak where he's like in full control of telling a complex story like this. And like Andrew said, like it's full of emotion that I feel like is normally lacking in a Nolan movie where uh, the characters can feel just like characters instead of actual people. Here, you know, the stakes are always there. They're always real. Like, people's lives are on the line, and you feel that constantly. And it's so exciting to see that and, like, you know, have a lot to think about every time you rewatch it because I definitely think, like, you're not going to get any of this, like, within just a few watches. Uh, Mr. Hall, where do you have it in your rankings? Yeah, um, I don't keep a dedicated list of Nolan rankings, but just off the top of my head, I think my top three are going to be what I'm going to call the Dead Wife trilogy. Um, Uh So (laughs) at at third, I'm going to have to put Memento. Uh um, And kind of that's the one that sort of started it all for me. At number two, I'm going to put Inception. Um, That's another one that every time I watch it, it's just like, oh, man, that's so great. And I just saw that it's on Netflix again, so I just added it to my queue again. So it... As long as I see it's on Netflix, I will watch it. And then I'm going to have to put The Prestige at number one. Um, yeah. It, it's it's almost over the top in terms of twists and so forth. Tyler, you were alluding to this earlier. And honestly, guys, that's another reason I love showing this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, unfortunately, with the constraints of class periods, you don't get to see it in one full sitting, um, which is a shame due to the complexity of it. But even so, to have seen a film like this and to watch a room full of... Uh, 20 kids see it for the first time and see 20 people have those reactions oh twins yeah oh there's dead guys in the boxes oh my gosh and just have this revelation after revelation i've heard i've had students like stand up and like just like almost yell like what you know just yeah. just so yeah. amazed by what's happening and i just sit back in the corner and smile to myself it's so great mm-hmm. Yeah, I, de- I definitely remember, like, classmates being, like, just losing their minds because, like, they'd seen it for the first time in your class. And, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, I, like, love that. Why haven't I seen that before? So mm-hmm. definitely grateful that we get to experience that in your classes. Yeah, well, I'm glad I somebody would, appreciated will, it, at least. <laughs> yeah. I will definitely say that watching that movie in your class was one of the best movie-watching experiences I've had, I think. Just because, like, yeah. like, you know, we're all friends, and it was towards the end of the year, so mm-hmm. everyone was just kind of trying to figure out the plot together. Mm-hmm. So it was a fun time. Yeah, glad you liked it. All right, well, we got 
our discussion and rankings out of the way, but I think we're on to the part that Mr. Hall is most excited about, which is our prestige trivia. So if you guys are all ready, we can move along. There's quite a few points on the line here. Uh, Tyler's going to be attempting to reclaim his role of trivia master. So we'll see what uh, our new challenger can bring to the table here today. Oh, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> If you're listening along, uh, feel free to follow along and let us know if you scored higher than our winner today. But uh, if you guys are ready, we'll start with the first question. Actually, I do want to make one comment. All right, Andrew. writing my uh, trivia answers on an AP Physics C worksheet. That yes. nice sound in my room. <laughs> Nicely done. Poetic. Yeah. Um, all right, so first question. So the prestige is actually the adaptation of a novel. Um, so it's not a like direct Nolan script. Uh, so there was another director considered for the film by the studio before they hired Nolan. Uh, what director was that? So keep in mind, this is around 2006. Uh, I think they'd be hiring around 2003 or something like that. Or no, it's like early two thousands, early two thousand. So you're saying that the the time period has something to do with yes. the hiring, it, like the popularity of the director. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like directors that were definitely like successful at the time. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we'll go with Neil first on this one. All right. So I had a, I just had a guess. I put Martin Scorsese. Okay. <laughs> uh, Andrew, let's hear yours. I said Steven Spielberg. All right. Tyler. I put uh, Peter Jackson. All right. And Mr. Hall. I think Mr. Hall has this one. I do. I was afraid you were going to ask, like, who wrote the book or something. It's uh, Sam Mendes, I believe. Yeah. Sam nice. Mendes, who recently directed 1917. Uh, I think he was he was hired in, like, 2000. So this was right after he won the Academy Award for Best Director and Best Picture for American Beauty. So he was, like, mm. highly sought after. And Memento hadn't come out yet by this point. So the studio, uh, they were sent a copy of Nolan's first movie, which I think is Insomnia, or the following, one of the two. And that convinced them to hire him. So before he even had Memento out there, like, he's the guy to handle this. So, Road to Perdition nice. was around that time. That's another great movie. Yeah. If you guys have seen that, this is another Sam Mendes film. Uh, that's one point on the board for Mr. Hall, and we're on to question two. There were three other movies oh, released yeah. in 2006 about magic and magicians. Which two cast members from The Prestige also appeared in one of those movies together? Crazy question. So they're both in the movie together. Can you tell us if they are large roles in? Yeah, they are large roles. Okay. I'm cross out my answer though. <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, background or side actors that just randomly happen to appear in both movies. So there's a point here for each person that you get. Uh, oh, Neil, why don't you go first? So I have Michael Caine and Hugh Jackman. Okay. Uh, Tyler. Yeah, I said uh, Michael Caine and Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Uh, Mr. Hall. I have uh, Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson. All right. <laughs> and Andrew. I'm going back. Hugh Jackman and Michael Caine. All right. Well, Mr. <laughs> Hall did get both. It's Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson oh, in the 2006 nice. movie Scoop, which I think is like a modern did day say, magician movie. Scoop. Oh, One letter <laughs> off, Andrew. Scoob. I, know, I know how much you love Scoop. But <laughs> I'll be honest. I got lucky on those. Yeah. I, yeah. There was so I there. No one idea. of the movies was. One of the movies was Scoop. Uh, another was called. Uh, I don't even remember what it was called. The Illusionist. Called, like, the Illusionist. The Illusionist, yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting thing because, you know, back when these movies came out, 
there was this mm -hmm. theory that I remember talking about with friends. We would talk about these two movies, The Prestige and The Illusionist, and talk about which one he liked better. Mm -hmm. And Edward Norton was in The Illusionist, and he's fantastic. And uh, the theory was, whichever one you saw first was the one you liked better. So mm -hmm. I saw The Prestige first, and the rest is history. Yeah. So I remember almost nothing about The Illusionist, though I liked is it. it. Is it true that whichever one you see first, you like better? What's for me? <laughs> I guess you'll have to find out. Uh, all right, well, on to question three. At the time of its release, it was the lowest rated Nolan film on Rotten Tomatoes with a score of what? So there were three Nolan movies out at this time. This was the lowest rated one on Rotten Tomatoes. So if you can give me the score, uh, I think whoever gets it closest will get the point here. All these haters. Yeah. <laughs> So this was the lowest rated one at the time of its release, but I think like it's modern, uh, you know, the way it's looked upon now is it's one of his best. The view on it has definitely changed over time, over the past like decade and a half. Hmm. Uh, Neil, why don't you go first? 70. All right, Mr. Hall? I'm going to say 74. All right, Andrew? 72. And Tyler? I'm going to go with uh, 67. All right. Well, Tyler, that was quite a bit low. Mr. Hall was closest. It was 76%. So ah. just off by 2% there. But, you know, for that being your lowest rated run tomato score as a yeah. director, I think that's okay. pretty good. That's pretty good. So another Christopher Nolan movie eventually scored less than The Prestige. Can you name that movie on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I'll give you a bonus point if you can give me the score for that as well. So knowing that this one got 76. Right. Uh, Mr. Hall, whenever you're ready, you can go first for us. Hmm. Boy, you got me thinking on this one. Um... Feel like I'm missing one in my head somewhere, but I'm gonna I'm just I'm just gonna say the Dark Knight Rises. Okay. And I'll say 71. All right. Um, Andrew, why don't you go next? Uh, on my sheet, I wrote Interstellar 74 percent. All right. Uh, Neil. I also said the Dark Knight Rises with 68. All right. And Tyler. Uh, yeah, I said the Dark Knight Rises. I'm just gonna go with 72. All right, so Andrew gets a point for the movie, and Tyler gets a point for the score. It is 72% and Interstellar. So, Really? Wow. Yeah. Man. So Interstellar is still currently sitting at the bottom because I think like Dunkirk was like somewhere in the 90s. So that's the only one that came out since then. You would think Insomnia would be pretty down there. I think yeah. Insomnia came out before. Right. Yes. It, it, I think it was yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I would think Insomnia or the following would be pretty low, but surprisingly they're not. So, uh, All right, next question. There are two Oscar winners and two nominees in the cast. Can you name both pairs? So a point for each person you get right. This is for the movie? Yeah. In the, so, no, they didn't win it for the movie, but like, oh, okay. there yeah, are two yeah. cast members that have won an Academy Award in the cast and two that, are not, that have been nominated. Gotcha. I am so, I'm so the way we'll do it is we'll have I'll have you guys name the winners first and then after that I'll have you guys name the nominees. Um, Tyler, do you want to give us your two guesses for the winners? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Michael Caine as a winner and um, Andy Serkis is the other winner. Okay. Uh, Neil, your two winners. Um, I did Michael Caine and Andy Serkis as well. All right. Andrew? I said Hugh Jackman and Michael Caine. Okay. And Mr. Hall? I'm going to go Michael Caine and Christian Bale. All right. Uh, so it is Michael Caine and Christian Bale. So I think everyone got Michael Caine. Andy Serkis is... Uh, I'll, or I'll talk about that after. Uh, let's go to nominees for 
next. So, Tyler, your two nominees. So I had um, Scarlett Johansson, and I guess the other one was Christian Bale, but I know it's not right now. Uh-huh. Uh, Neil. I had the same thing. All right. Andrew? Um, I have Scarlett Johansson and Andy Serkis. Okay. And Mr. Hall? I have Scarlett Johansson and Hugh Jackman. And that's correct. So Scarlett Johansson was nominated, I think, for, like, Lost in Translation first, and then, like, she was nominated twice last year. So there's that. And then Hugh Jackman, I think, was nominated for, like, uh, Greatest Showman and, like, a few others, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis, actually, like, a lot of people have wanted him to be nominated for, like, years. Like, I think there was a big push for him to get nominated for the new uh, Planet of the Apes trilogy because he plays the lead ape mm-hmm. in that his performance is just amazing, but Academy doesn't recognize motion capture performances, unfortunately. Uh, all right, next question. Hugh Jackman and Andy Serkis appeared together in another 2006 film. Can you name that film? Can what were the two names? No. Huh? You said Hugh Jackman and, and uh, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Yeah. It is an animated movie, I'll give you that. Oh, it's not very So did they really <laughs> I was gonna guess in it? Sure. Yeah. Is it is it something really obscure? <laughs> I don't think it's that obscure. I feel like you would probably know what it is. Okay. Let me just check. If yeah, I got pretty good reviews. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it, I don't think it's that unknown. I'm expecting Andrew to oh, know this one. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, I'm gonna oh, have I Tyler. Think... I'm gonna have Tyler go last. Andrew. Okay. <laughs> I have. No I, I think idea. I know why you expect Andrew <laughs> yeah. to know it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Is it Barnyard? No. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Hall. Um, just a complete guess here. I don't even know if the year is right. I'm just going to say Madagascar. All right. Uh, Neil. I do know. I don't know if it came out in the same year, but I do know he's in Happy Feet, so I'm going to go with Happy Feet. Solid guess. Uh, Tyler. It's flushed away, isn't it? It is flushed away. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> what is, I don't know what that movie is. is that you don't know flushed away? No, when, you, when, you said, when you said Andrew would know it, because I was like yeah. thinking, I was like, I know that Hugh Jackman's in it, and I knew uh-huh. it was like, you know, mid-2000s, and then when you said oh Andrew would love this movie, I was like, well. It's it's the movie about the rats that get flushed down the toilet, I think. I, said I've never movie. seen this movie. <laughs> I feel like you would enjoy that movie, Andrew. Definitely go check it out after this. It's on HBO. I don't have HBO. I'm impressed it didn't tank. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a movie that would be flushed away. Got him. <laughs> All right. Um, so we got two questions left here. Uh, one question is worth one point. One is worth quite a few. So the game is not set yet. But uh, second to last question. Which Shakespeare play does Root quote while rehearsing before his first performance? So Root is uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, body double, basically. His drunk... Uh, homeless dude who basically doubles him uh and in the first before the first show he appears in he's like basically like doing a little dry run for them and he begins rehearsing like or reciting some lines from a shakespeare play and we have to Uh, guess the shakespeare play yes i gotta guess this will be interesting I, don't I remember think, this scene, but I don't remember what it says. I don't think giving you the quote would help, so I'm just not going to. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hall, why don't you go first on this one? Um, I'm basing this on something else he says at one point. I'm going to say Julius Caesar. All right. Uh, Andrew. I'm, I was, I'm saying Hamlet for symbolic purposes. Okay. Neil? I went with the classic Romeo and Juliet. Alright, and Tyler? I'm also going to say Hamlet like Andrew. Alright, uh, I don't think there's technically anyone that I would give like points for being closest. It was Henry the Fourth, 
So if one of you had named like one of the plays about one of the kings, maybe I'd give you a point, but I don't think anyone was close enough on that one. But Julius Caesar is a good guess because he mentions playing Caesar and like I think Faust was it or something? Yeah. Correct. Alright. Um so we got the final question here. Uh point a point update. Mr. Hall has eight, Andrew has four, Neil has three, and Tyler has five. But the game is not locked in here. I think anyone can technically win this. Oh boy. All right. So the final question is, how many cast members have also appeared in a comic book or superhero movie? So these are like <gasps> named members what? of the cast uh, <laughs> and a point for each one that you can name. So we'll, we'll go with numbers first and then uh, also... So is this you for have the, the actor and the comic book movie? Um, I can give you, mm, we'll see. I, we'll, write down okay. the name of the movie as well just, if you can. The, okay. Yeah. That might be difficult because some of them have been in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can name like just one of the movies that they've been in. Okay. If they've okay. been in multiple. But yeah. This one's definitely, I think capable of making or breaking it. So first we'll go with um, the number of cast members that you think have appeared in superhero movies. Um, so we'll go around, just give me the number. Neil, you first. <laughs> That's all the time we get, huh? Yeah. Well, just for number right now, and then you can... Oh, okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I'm still thinking very hard, though. Neil, what's your number? Sorry, I think I was muted. I said five. Okay. Tyler? I'm uh, going to guess like six or... No, I'm going to guess seven. We'll be down okay. for seven. Uh, Mr. Hall? Seven was the number I had. Uh, and Andrew? So I can name five of them, and I'm assuming there's at least one more, so I'm saying six. All right. I'm not going to tell you guys if anyone was successful on that one, uh, but basically write <laughs> write out your list of who you think was in superhero movies. Uh, you don't have to name the movie, uh, and then can we? You can if you want, but it's not going to earn you extra points. Although I know it might be impressive if Mr. Hall is able to do that because I know he hasn't seen many of them. So. Since you didn't lock in the number answers, can I change mine to six? No. Or are we going to keep it at five? Dang it. No. <laughs> can I say the actor anyway? All six of them that I wrote down? Uh, sure, but uh, make sure everyone's already written down their answers, got them locked in, yeah, yeah. and then we'll get yeah, yeah, going yeah. in a second. Everyone's ready? Uh, sorry, just I'm still trying to come up with one more. Okay. Give me, give me a little uh, bit more just give me, Give me like a second. All right. Yeah, I wrote down five, and then I remembered one more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to go, Ty, or...? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay, Neil, you can go first. All right, um, we'll get the obvious ones out of the way. So we got Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. uh, do I have to say the movie? No, right? No, you can, you're good. Okay, so Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, Hugh mm -hmm. Jackman, Andy Serkis, and then Rebecca Hall. Yeah. Uh, Tyler? So I had the exact same thing, and then I couldn't think of a seventh <laughs> character, so I put David Bowie in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hall. Hold on. One second, actually. One, two, three, four. Five, All right, Mr. Hall. Oh boy. All right. So I had the same list as Neil, actually, and I couldn't come up with a seventh person either. Maybe maybe David Bowie played Starman or Ziggy Stardust in some movie at some point, but I, I yeah. did not put David Bowie down. Um, and Andrew. Yeah. I have the same thing as Neil minus Rebecca Hall. All right. So you had five people out of yeah. the six. All right. Well, Neil did have the correct list, so... Uh, we have, obviously, Christian Bale and Michael Caine in the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, you got Hugh Jackman in X-Men movies, Scarlett Johansson in Marvel movies, Andy Serkis appears in Avengers 2 and Black Panther, and Rebecca Hall appears in Iron Man 3. So, 
Yeah. Uh, so final points here. Tyler ends up with 11 points. Neil had 8. Andrew had 10. And Mr. Hall with 14. Being nice. one of the few guests to win the trivia challenge. Although it's been a more recent phenomenon, I would say, in recent episodes. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Well, well done. Well done. Yeah. I feel like I had to live up to our reputation as being a scholastic old coach. So. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you, you just had to win that. And luckily for me, my wife and I have been watching the MCU um, mm-hmm. since we got Disney Plus this summer. And it's funny that uh, that you asked this question because I remember watching Iron Man 3 and was wondering, who is she? And I didn't know yeah. Rebecca Hall's name. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know her from this and this and this and this. Yeah. And obviously now I'm not going to forget her name. Yeah. So. <laughs> When you uh, when I emailed you to ask about this and you mentioned uh, watching the MCU movies, you said that you were on uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. So like, if you were just a few movies back, like if you were like two movies back, I think you wouldn't have seen Iron Man three and wouldn't have known Rebecca. Correct. Hall. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Well, congratulations, Mr. Hall, uh, on winning, thank and thank you so much for joining us. I think that about wraps us up for this episode on the Prestige. Uh, if you're listening. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, leave us positive reviews. It helps more people find us. Uh, we've got merch up on Redbubble. It's in the description. And uh, you can just look up Double Stuff Cinema on Redbubble. But other than that, this has been Double Stuff Cinema. Thanks for listening. And thanks for having me, guys. Get stuffed. <laughs>